0: Welcome to the Drop Time Report. Turn up the volume and listen to amazing stories about big bucks and the hunters who harvested them. Here is your host, outdoor writer,
1: Tracy Breen. Welcome to the Drop Time Report. I'm your host, Tracy Breen. On this week's episode, we're going to have on Roger Siegler. Roger Siegler is the owner of Antler Ridge Shed Antler Dogs. His website is antlerdogs.com, and he is probably one of the best known uh, shed dog trainers in North America today. He's not only trained uh, hundreds of dogs to be antler dogs, he's also trained dolphins and participated in uh, training dangerous animals at zoos and all kinds of different things, mules. Uh, He's trained a lot of different animals and really has a vast knowledge of how to get animals to do what you want them to do. And today uh, we're going to talk about <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to talk about buying a shed antler puppy and all those things. But one of the things we're really going to focus in on is uh, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Can you take your two-year-old lab that sits on the couch or or some other breed of dog that you've had and teach them to be a shed antler dog? And the answer is yes. Roger's going to talk A lot of bit about that today. So if you have a dog and you'd like to uh, turn it into a shed antler dog, you'll want to listen uh, to this interview. But before uh, we break into the interview, I'd like to go ahead and thank my sponsors, my title sponsor, Redneck Blinds. If you're in the market for a deer blind, check out their fiberglass blinds. Also, their soft sided blinds, which are uh, much more economical. Uh, I really like their ghillie blind. Just looks like a big ghillie suit where you put it in the woods. Uh, it really blends in well. Also, fourth arrow camera arms. They have a new final rest shooting system that works great in redneck blinds or any other type of blind. As well as you can use it in the field. It just folds up and goes in your backpack. Wind makers of vapor urine technology. Morrell targets. The high roller targets. One of my favorite. Huntworth clothing. If you're if you don't want to spend a ton of money on hunting clothes. Check out huntworthgear.com. Pine Ridge Archery, makers of the Nitro Vane, Lucky Buck, Deer Mineral, Grimery for Broadheads, my favorite Broadhead, Schaefer Performance Archery, makers of the XV Arrowrest designed to handle speed, arrow speeds exceeding 400 feet a second. Illinois Connection Outfitters in Pike County, Illinois. The Outdoorsmans, makers of high-end backpacks, as well as tripods for glassing game and Wilderness Athlete. If you want to shed a few pounds, we're in the new year here. If you want to shed a few pounds, go to wildernessathlete.com. Check out their nutritional products. My favorite product is their Hydrate and Recover Drink. Enter drop 10 at checkout and receive a discount. Now we're going to go ahead and get Roger uh, on the air here. And in the beginning of the interview, we're kind of joking back and forth about mules. Uh, That's one of the things Roger and I talk a lot about, I have a mule. Roger has trained lots of mules, so he's always proud of me trying to learn a little bit more about my mule and how he can help me uh, train my mule. So, should be a great interview. Here Thank we go.
0: You. My mules, if you had them around, they'd want to live in the house with you. For sure. For sure.
1: Now, let's, uh, today, we're going to talk about um, training a dog that, you know, might not be a puppy. Everybody comes to you, they get a puppy, they have big dreams of turning it into an antler dog. But, you know, there's a lot of guys out there. A lab is the number one dog in the world, probably. So there's a lot of guys with a lab that's a year old, two old, two years old, three years old, whatever. Um, is it possible to take, <clears throat> excuse me, one of those dogs and turn it into an antler dog? Now, granted, it might not be a rock star antler dog, but most guys probably aren't asking for a rock star antler dog. Okay, well, first, when you
0: work on the obedience portion of a dog, sit down, stay, come to its name, come to whistle, all those kinds of things, those are mechanical things that you should be able to teach any dog pretty much at any age, okay? Now, when you start to refine some of that stuff, for example, if you were training a beagle, you could teach it, you take it in your house, sit down, stay, come to its name, come to whistle, but... You'd have to expose it to rabbits, okay, and if it was much of a beagle, he's probably going to teach you, okay? The sure. same thing is true of almost all these do- all dogs that were bred for specific use uh, for in- at any given time, but the obedience portion of it is universal. So, but if a guy has a, a lab that maybe is uh, two or three years old or five years old, it doesn't matter, Okay. You can teach the dog the obedience portion of it. Now, if you wanted to do specific work, okay, like uh, for antlers, the first thing to understand what these dogs are, okay, now retriever trainers think they're retrievers, okay, and that is part of the job, but what they really are is they are detection dogs, and detection dogs are like bomb dogs or drug dogs or cancer dogs or seizure dogs or termite dogs. It doesn't really matter, okay? And you're teaching those dogs to find a very specific item. And so that gets into the another level of training in which almost every dog has a good enough nose to do it. There's no doubt about it, okay? Now, do does every dog have the ability the skill sets to be a world-class antler dog, probably not any more than an average lab could be a world-class beagle, okay, or a rabbit. Yeah, sure. it, it, yep. it, it doesn't happen, okay? Now, when you're training, okay, it, it, I think that, uh, Tracy, you'll start to understand where I'm going with this. I say to people that if I'm training a horse, Almost anybody can train a horse if you're big and strong enough. Get on it, jerk it, and beat it around, and it has great great tolerance for that. Now, if you try those same techniques on a mule, you're probably going to get killed because there's a saying with mule trainers that a mule will live its whole life just to hurt you bad one time. So in training a mule, what you have to do is you have to make it think it's his idea and they're 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 very smart. I think they're a lot smarter than a horse, and they retain training a lot better than a horse. Okay, I, I can go months and months and months, and my mule. I mean, you go right back to where you started with. But that same kind of thing really applies to these different dogs doing different things. But if you have a two-year-old lab, three-year-old lab, no matter what age it is, and you decide that you want to teach it to hunt horns okay there's a process that you go through now i'm not trying to sell a book but we have a book out on amazon okay and we also have a video that runs for about an hour that shows you how to go about training a dog to hunt for horns and it differs from any of these conventional dog training books where you're using what's called fear-based training choke chains and electricity because if you're training a dog to hunt horns, okay, you, you ha- it has to be their idea and they have to love the game. And if you start abusing them, they're not going to play the game. Now, mm-hmm. let me explain to you what I just said, okay? Value. Okay, I'm going to explain to how you train a dog and what value is. I use this example all the time. If you take a teenage boy and you set him down at a table... And you put electric collar on him, and across from him you put a real pretty girl and you say to him, Every time you hit on that pretty girl, I'm gonna light you up.
1: <laughs> okay. Some it's a good teenage
0: boys some teenage boys you'd practically have to electrocute. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Because that girl has so much value. Okay? Now, in that example, once again the teenage boy is the dog, and across from him you have a pheasant. You can do certain things to that dog because those pheasants have so much value to that dog. Now, exactly the same scenario. You have a teenage boy with electric collar on him, and across from him you put a mannequin. Looks just exactly like the real girl, but it's not. And you say to him, every time you hit on that mannequin, I'm going to light you up. You're probably not going to have to touch him because that mannequin doesn't have any value. In that case... The teenage boy is a dog, and across from him you put an antler. You start abusing that dog over that antler, and he's just not going to play the game. It's incredibly important that the dog loves that game without having any fear of it. Now, if I'm training a, a bomb dog, let's put this in a story, and I have 10 bags out there, okay? and one of them has a bomb or a drug in it, And you want the dog to go out and select the right one. If the dog goes out and makes a mistake, if you light him up or beat him up, next time he sees a roll of bags, he's going to avoid them altogether. Okay, because last time he did, something bad happened to him. So you have to use reward-based training. Now, let me explain the difference between true reward-based training and fear-based training. In fear-based training, choke chains electricity the dog gets punished for every wrong decision. In true reward-based training, the animal gets rewarded for every right decision. It's totally different. And this is especially true, getting back to the mules. You start doing the same thing that mule you're doing to horse, and you're going to get hurt, okay, because they will not put up with it, okay? Same way with these dogs. If you start abusing them, Okay, the game that you're wanting them to love and play, they won't play it. So what you're trying to do, okay, is to get the dog to cooperate with you, okay, in such a way that they love the game. Now, if you get lost in thinking about this a little bit, we go to California once a year or so, and we work with the top marine mammal trainers out there. When they're training dolphins, they're not wiring them up or choking them or beating them or anything. They're basically using the fish as the reward. The dolphin does something, like jump out of the water, catch whatever, ballast a balloon on the end of his nose, he's going to get a fish for that. It's what we call the science of participative training, where the animal is working with you. So to clear that up a little bit, okay, so if you've got this dog that you want to train to be an antler dog, you have to understand how to get the dog to cooperate with you. Not beat him up to do it for you. So there's lots of books out there and stuff, uh, other educational material, that will show you how to use reward-based training okay, to get the animal to do what you want. Now, it's hard if you have, have been a fear-based trainer to convert over to reward-based training. But once you do, you'll find that the results you're getting with your animals is totally different with their cooperation and their love for you and their love for the game. So getting back to, okay, before I drift off too far, if you've got a dog, a lab, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, four-year-old dog that's just been sitting around just being your best friend, that's perfect. Now you're going to try to teach the dog to find horns, okay? And there's a process that you go through, okay, to teach them to get involved with recovery of antlers. And it's, it's, it's a lot easier, actually, than fear-based training. But you have to get some education as to how to go about doing it.
1: But the good news is, obviously, uh, if a guy didn't buy, you know, a, a shed antler puppy from a guy like you or some other trainer. He, Shame he just... on them. yeah but but you know there's obviously you can't put up with all the uh i mean there's a lot of demand obviously for labs and there's a lot of breeders and so you know oftentimes the wife and kids are the ones that are picking out the dog and and the good news here is you know to a varying degree any dog can be turned into a shed dog and let's face it probably doesn't even have to be a lab right i mean other breeds can do it maybe not as well but i mean could a chihuahua find sheds
0: well, it's interesting. I was taking a, a, a course from, a, uh, uh, from a, a university where they were evaluating the olfactory skills of a dog. And they took all these different breeds. And some of the stuff that they thought, the, the, the different breeds that they were testing, the olfactory, how dogs smell, the dog that actually worked the best was, I think, a pug. Now, oh, a, wow. That's, You'd that's...
1: never guess that. I'm a Chinese pug. <laughs>
0: So that goes against all thinking, but once again, with AKC today, they have a, a new sport, okay, and it's called uh, uh, scent dogs, okay, and that's where you can take any breed, and they actually have three different categories, we have little miniatures, and then standards, and then big dogs, and this is a sport for, for anybody who has a dog of any kind, and these are what I call, what they, they call them sniffer dogs, and they have, competition for these. Okay, so you go in there with your little poodle and rather than finding the bomb or drug, it's finding a, it's generally an oil that is scented with something. Okay, so they'll put this scent someplace in the room and these dogs have to work it just like a a drug dog and it's really a fast-growing sport uh, for AKC. And so there you go. You have this older dog, okay, and his nose is good enough. You know it is because there's no reason for it not to be. Okay, And so you're teaching this this dog to find very spe- a very specific smell is what it's all about.
1: So let's talk about uh, if I'm a guy and, and you can share some tips from one of your books or your DVD. I have a lab. He's two years old. He sits on the couch. Uh, up until this podcast or up until this time of year, I've never really thought about turning him into an antler dog. What are three or four things I should do to lay a good foundation? Well, the first thing
0: you, you, you're working on, okay, is, is the obedience, okay, because that's where we start. Set down, stay, come to their name, come to whistle. And, you know, that's really standard stuff. And you can you can do that, just get any book on clicker training uh, that's out there on the market, and I'll explain to you how you do that. Then the, the next thing we're looking at, okay, we're looking at uh, uh, the retrieve, because if you want to, well, let me kind of explain this a little bit okay? If you have a bomb dog or you have a drug dog, okay, if you have a bomb dog, you're teaching the dog to do a passive alert. That means the dog goes out, and when he finds the bomb, he sets, okay? You don't want him messing with the bomb or you're all going to get killed. If you're training a drug dog, you want it to be an aggressive alert. You want him to go into the uh, bag and try to break in and get it, okay? So, you're, you're going and you can teach the dog either those, either those two things or you can teach a, a dog to go out and pick it up and bring it back because these are antler dogs you want them to retrieve. Yep. okay So you start working on the retrieve and the way that you do that and once again, deep down in the in all these labs, okay it's there. it's been bred into them, but what we do is we test them with a ball. Okay, we want to see if we can get one of these guys to go out and, uh, and show attention to the ball and, and want to play with the ball. Because when you're training any of these detection dogs, once again, that's what these are, it's an exchange. If the dog does what you want, in, well, the dolphin is doing the work because he's getting the fish. With these labs, the dog does the work because they're getting the ball. Okay, that's their favorite toy. So if you have any of these labs okay, that you've played ball with, now you have one okay, that has that particular skill set in which you want him to go out and find the horn and bring it back. Now, what you have to do is you have to convert that dog from a ball dog, okay, go out and get it and bring it back, to an antler dog, go out and bring it back. And a lot of these dogs that have played with the ball so much won't pay any attention to the antler at all. So what we do is we take a rubber ball, we use pitching machine balls, and we'll cut it in half, and we'll run a tine through it. So now when we throw it out, the dog says, oh, it's my ball, runs out and brings it back. And over a period of a week or 10 days, we start reducing the size of that ball on that tine to where now all of a sudden it's just the tine. So you've made a conversion. Okay? Yeah, okay. Makes and sense. in that conversion... Now you can take that, that antler, and throw it out in the weeds, and the dog will go out and search through the weeds and bring it back, okay? So now you've converted it over to an antler dog. Now, there's a lot of things that go on between that, you know, but the idea is, okay, that and you can start to see your progress by if you throw it out there in the weeds, okay, and the dog goes out and starts to hunt, what you're looking for is a dog that will stay in there till he finds it, okay? Whether And in the beginning, he may only stay in there, you know, 20 seconds, but the, the really good ones will stay in there and hunt forever to find it, okay? Because when the dog, in the real world of antler dogs, you want that dog to go out and hunt for that horn, not for five minutes, not even for five days. You want him to go out every day, day after day, just like if you were duck hunting, and hunt for that piece of horn and and bring it back. Now, a lot of these dogs, okay, probably the main problem that, that a person wanting to do this will get into is the dog will go, well, I'll, I'll tell another story, okay. There And with humans, People have been led to believe that if you're raising a baby, a human baby, if you put a violin in his uh, crib, that when he grows up, he'll want to play the violin. (laughs) Okay, Okay. yeah. Okay, Okay. so people will take these dogs and they'll put an antler in with them, okay, and the dog chews on the antler, and that's great. Except now when I get them or when the, 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 the person who owns the dog decides that they want to go out and hide a horn and the dog's going to go out and find it, What's he going to do? He's going to lay down and start chewing on it, okay, because that's basically what he's been taught to do. But what you want him to do is not lay down and chew on it. You want him to go out and get it and bring it back. So you start working on the retrieve, and there are very specific rules to work on the retrieve. But once again, it's a training thing. It's a teachable thing. Everything that I've been saying here is all a teachable thing, but you, you have to be willing to take the time and the effort, okay? to learn the different disciplines within the sport and anybody can do it. Okay. Especially somebody that just has one dog. Okay. And they're trying to accomplish this with that one dog. If you get lost, you can get onto the internet or call somebody like me. I talk to people all day long about all these different issues. The guy will say, you know, I have this problem with my dog that he won't bring it back. Okay. What do I do? Well, well, once again, you have to make it as advantageous for this dog to bring it back because he knows that if he brings it back, you're going to throw it or he's going to get a piece of tree. He's going to get something for his effort in bringing it back. So, you know, the, the this story we're talking about is if you have a, a dog, that you just love this guy. He's He's you know, been sleeping in bed with you and your, your wife or you and your kids and you know, just been a real family dog but it's a lab and you would like to teach him to do something productive, okay, here you go. Teach him to find antlers and become a student and and figure out from people like myself or books or whatever, okay, how to go about doing it. And if you have a problem, okay, how to overcome that problem. Training never starts until you have a problem, okay? That's what a professional trainer does. A professional trainer figures out how to solve the problem because I've trained I've trained over 500 antler dogs, okay, and literally thousands of other kind of dogs. But even if you're if somebody like me, if you're a complete nubskull, okay, you learn something from every single dog that you train, and so you've got Old Ralph, and you get all excited about training it to be an antler dog, and and you do, okay. But now Old Ralph dies. The, the next thing is you want to try it again. You've learned enough from old Ralph that you can uh, gain experience to put it towards your next dog.
1: What do you think uh, the top two or three mistakes uh, that guys make are?
0: Well, I think there's a, there's a couple of things. The first one I would say is playing too much fetch with a dog, because a dog will either have strong hunt or it'll have strong retrieve. Okay. If you have a dog that has strong retrieve, I play almost no fetch with him in the field, because if you start playing fetch in the field with him, with an antler or anything else, he's going to wait for you. He's going to walk along beside you and wait for you to throw a stick or a ball or an antler or whatever. Okay, so he's not getting out and hunting. He's 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 a, truly a retriever. Now, if I have a dog that's really strong in hunt, that means the dog that's out there really, you know, looking for for it. I'll play a little more fetch with him because you can do that because the hunt is the most critical part of this whole process. So that would probably be number one. Number two would be uh, don't use any kind of artificial scent on the antler. Okay, use the antler itself. Now, I'm training a bomb dog, okay? I don't take and use something that looks like a bomb. I use a real bomb. If I'm training a dog to be a drug dog, I use a I I use real drugs, okay, because that's what you want the dog to find. You don't want him to find something that looks like a bomb. You want the the real bomb. So I would say that that's probably the number two uh, area that you can uh, have a problem, okay? Number three um, would be, um, let me think here, okay?
1: Yeah, there's lots of mistakes, obviously, that people make.
0: Yeah, the other one would be put the antler with the dog all the time because you want this to be special. You don't want it to be when I when a customer leaves here with one of our dogs, I say no green frogs, no tennis balls, no anything else. It's got to be the antler they're obsessing over. So, and I'll explain that in this little story, okay? If I have one of these dogs that I'm just starting, okay? This lab, this dog knows anything about life. Okay, If you have a pheasant in one hand and a tennis ball in the other and you throw them both out in front of the dog, which one is the dog going to go after, the pheasant or the tennis ball? He's going to go after the pheasant because it's alive. It squeals. It bleeds. It it really lights him up. That smell, it turns him on. Now, same dog, same situation. If I have a tennis ball in one hand and an antler in the other, and I throw them both out in front of the dog. Which ones are you going to go after? He's going to go after the tennis ball because it has action. It jumps around. It, it when you the dog chews on it, it, it it got a real good squish to it. Okay, antlers they they have no more value than a stick. Okay, okay. but what you what you want to do or what you're trying to accomplish is when that dog is finished. You can have an antler in one hand and a T-bone steak in the other, and the dog will tear your arm off trying to get to that antler, okay, because you've created value in it. And if you play with a tennis ball a lot with the dog, okay, it's gonna it's going to be what the dog obsesses over. Now, when you're training with the drug dog guys or the bomb dog guys, what they'll do is they'll take the puppy, okay, and they'll put all kind of toys in the room, a tennis ball, a chewy, a tug toy, you name it, and they turn the puppy loose in there, and whichever one, the puppy, of those toys, the puppy graduates to, that's where they're there, that becomes their toy of choice, and that's what you use to train the dog, it's an exchange, they find the drug, they get their favorite toy, okay, and so, but with antlers, with drug dogs, you're using their toy, for them to find the object, so they can get their toy. With an antler dog, it becomes one and the same. It's the object that they're looking for, because if, when they bring it back, they get it, they get it, they get it back. So it becomes one and the same.
1: Sure. Now, uh, in, in closing, uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, breeding program. What makes your dogs a little different? There's a there's a million lab breeders in America, and thousands of lab breeders who call their dogs antler dogs or bud dogs or whatever. Uh, what makes yours a little different?
0: Okay. Of the 500 that we've trained, we've taken the top five males, and we pull semen on them. We save it at K-State. When we have a first-class female, we sell her with a breeding agreement, and wherever she goes in the country, we ship semen to that family they raise the puppies until they're eight weeks of age, and then we buy them all back. And at eight weeks of age, by the time they're about 10 weeks of age, we actually start training them, okay? We put two months of training into them, and during that period, we're evaluating them to see if they're pretenders or they are the real deal. In any litter, you're going to have this wide range of skill sets, okay? Now, when I say skill sets... this is the easy way to understand it. If I have five puppies in a litter and I test the first one, and we're generally testing with an antler or a ball, if we throw that that ball out in front of that puppy and he just watches it roll out, and this has to happen somewhere between 8 to 14 to 16 weeks, we have to see some type of, of reaction to that ball. So if we do that with the first puppy and he just watches it roll out, he's probably not a candidate. Puppy number two, we take, we roll the ball out. He runs right out to it and just looks at it. Just keeps right on going. He's probably not going to get it. Puppy number three, we roll the ball out. It runs right out, picks it up, carries it over a few feet, loses interest in it, probably not going to make it. Puppy number four, you roll the ball out. It runs right out and gets it, brings it right back, and puts it in your hand. Puppy number five, okay, You roll the ball out, it runs right out and gets it and comes halfway back, lays down with it. Now, you're trying to coax it in. I mean, it knows you want him to bring it to you, but he's looking at you, but he he doesn't. So you take a step towards him, he picks it up and runs off with it. Now, of your fourth and fifth puppy, okay, most people would say they want the fourth puppy. What I want is the fifth puppy because when that puppy's laying there looking at you or looking at me, you know what it's thinking? It's thinking, this thing is too good for Roger. I want <laughs> to keep it my, keep it myself. Sure, it, it's, it's that covenants. Now, how does that translate in the real world? Okay, In the real world, puppy number one, I, I love it. It's a great pet, but it's not really an antler dog. I don't consider it. Puppy number two, a little better, but it's still not an antler dog. Puppy number three will find one to everyone you find. Puppy number four will find two to everyone you find. Puppy number five will find three to every one you find, okay? And so I always put it in, in terms, if you have a bomb dog, okay, would if, if that dog was only about a 50% bomb dog, I wouldn't consider a bomb dog because you're probably going to get killed.
1: <laughs> good point, good point.
0: You're going <laughs> to get blown up, okay? But... Everybody wants that number five dog, and the only way you can get to a number five dog is through the testing process and the understanding how the training works. And if you have a problem, like I said a little earlier, uh, the the training only starts when you have a problem, and everybody along the way has a problem somehow or another. But if you only have one dog, like that three-year-old dog, you can sit around and think about how you can train it to... Overcome that problem, whatever it may be, or talk to somebody that is knowledgeable that can help you with overcoming that that issue.
1: Now, in in a litter of dogs, let's say you have a litter of puppies of eight. Okay, how many of those eight do you feel will probably, looking at statistics, how many will become really good dogs, or have the have the genetics to become really good dogs?
0: I would say, you know, out of eight, you're probably going to have two that are at the top. You're going to have two that are kind of in the middle. You're going to have two that would be the number three dogs, and then you're going to have two that, like I said, they all make great pets. And from a personality standpoint in a pet, you you don't – they're all the same, okay? But when you start to get to a higher level of performance, okay, you're going to have maybe 60% that are going to be what I I, I call really candidates.
1: OK, so it's important to know then you could
0: train you could train any of those dogs, you know, getting back to the question. OK, but at what level are they going to perform?
1: Sure. And obviously, the more time you take, I mean, if this is a guy who decides to get serious and he travels all over the midwest, <laughs> excuse me, the Midwest, looking for antlers in the woods and in places where there's a high density of deer, Kansas, Iowa, going sure. to Canada, whatever, His, the odds of that dog, you know, being pretty good are much higher than the dog that goes looking three times a year.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The same way with a, like a blood trail dog. I tell folks that when they get a blood trail dog from us, if you're only going to track one deer a year, forget it. You know, you you want that dog to track 20, 25 dogs, a deer a year, and then you have, okay, and that is after you've got the right dog. So, but, uh, yeah, it's a it's a great sport. It's the fastest growing dog sport in the country, and we just uh, we usually have about fifteen dogs in training. My wife, my daughter, and myself we all three train. So I have about five dogs a day. I'm training. That's about all you can really train and do it the right way.
1: Yeah, that's that's it. So you sell a lot of started and finished dogs. Correct. Hello? You there?
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. What did you I say? I said
1: you you uh, you sell a lot of started and finished dogs, correct?
0: Right. We a lot of started, a lot of intermediate dogs, a lot of finished dogs. We try not to finish, sell too many finished dogs, so that's too hard. I mean, we have a dog that you've had almost a year. You fall in love with it, and now you're sending it off to another home, and that's the reason we're so selective of who gets our dogs, because you're you're not going to put that much time and effort into a dog. In which somebody's not going to really take care of it, but because of the pricing, it, it, you're pretty sure that these people are putting are going to put a real effort into this dog, and they're they animal lovers.
1: Knowing so, this will be my last question for you. Knowing that a lot of dogs in any given litter throughout America, it, they're not going to be you know high top end antler dogs. What can a guy do to increase the odds of? picking the right dog out of a litter or is it just totally a crapshoot
0: well the first thing is and this is really difficult okay to find to know whether or not you've got the right dog in the litter you want that you you want to be looking at puppies that are 14 to 16 weeks old and all breeders want to get rid of them between six and eight weeks because that's everybody wants those little furry good looking cute little things okay but at a 14 at Six eight weeks. No one knows which dog in the litter is, is going to make it. You just—it's impossible. Okay, but rarely could you find a litter where you had puppies that were sixteen weeks old, in which you had your choice. And if if, but if you were lucky enough to do that, then you're going—you're looking at a couple different things. One is what are their social skills? Okay, have, have they been out there with their mother for sixteen weeks without any human contact? And then the next thing you're looking at you would test with a ball to see if they have what their drive is like towards that ball because therein lies the key, okay, that you're going to build this and train this dog around.
1: Cool, cool. Well, hopefully all the listeners out there will get some advice and uh, we'll make sure to include your web address in here so anyone that's interested can get a hold of you. Uh, I appreciate you being on today and sharing all of your canine knowledge with us.
0: Well, I really appreciate you, and uh, if I can help you with your mules, you know, I I think a mule does train a lot more like a dog than a horse does. I mean, they really do, and that is, you know, you can get a mule to do all kinds of remarkable things. I have a mule that'll probably do 50 tricks, but it's all because he's cooperating with me. It's not because I've been beating him up.
1: They are an uh, interesting animal, that's for sure. We actually are getting another one uh, this summer, so I'll be training one from the ground up, so it should certainly be an adventure. Awesome. If you need any help with that, let me know. Okay? All righty. Thanks, Take folks. Care. I really appreciate your time. Uh-huh. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Once again, if you're interested in purchasing a puppy or a DVD from him or a started dog, his website is antler Dogs. Dot com. To learn more about me, visit my website, TracyBreen.com, T-R-A-C-Y-B-R-E-E-N.com. I use that website to book speaking engagements for Wild Game Dinners, so if you're having a Wild Game Dinner coming up, or you know of a church that uh, is looking for a speaker, go to my website, uh, shoot me an email, TracyBreen.com. Until next time, God bless, and have a great day.